Well, please uh, take a copy of the scriptures and turn with me now to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're beginning a new series, working our way through the entirety of this book. Uh, that's the plan, at least. And I am very excited uh, to get started with this new series and to see what God has to say to us uh, in this book. You think about this, uh, when, when was the last time you, you studied the book of Deuteronomy? Uh, when was the last time you heard a sermon on the book of Deuteronomy? I think it's safe to say that this is a book that's often neglected by the church today. But as we confessed a few moments ago, we believe that this is God's living and active word to us. This is Christian scripture which gives us Christ and shows us the way of life in Christ. And so there's much that God has for us here. Before we, uh, before we read the passage, let me pray for us and ask for the Lord's help. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we start this series remembering that uh, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds uh, from your mouth. So would you please help us today and in the weeks to come to eat this book like bread and to, uh, to digest it, to internalize it so that it becomes uh, a part of us, it shapes us and uh, shows us Christ and conforms us to his image. We ask all of these things in his name, amen. Let's hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. In the Arabah opposite Suf between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Edri, beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Negev and by the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go! Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. Chances are we've all faced uh, pivotal moments in our lives where a decision, a momentous decision needed to be made. This was a pivotal moment for the people of God, a crux. 
Israel was poised just outside the land of Canaan, the land of promise on the plains of Moab. They've been redeemed out of Egypt. They've gone through the years of wandering in the wilderness, and now they're on the edge of the land that God was giving to them. These are also Moses' last words in the book of Deuteronomy. After bringing the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt and leading them through the, the wilderness years, Moses is about to die. This is, if you like, his, his farewell address. He will soon pass away and be succeeded by Joshua, who will lead the people. So this is, this is a farewell address. At the ripe old age of 120 years, Moses preaches his last words, reminding the people of all that God had done for them and all that God had promised to do for them. And so this book is, is, it's electric in the sense that it's charged by this reality that Moses is at the end of his life. These are the words of a dying prophet who has spoken face to face with God. And so this was a pivotal moment. These were Moses' last words. And Moses sets life and death before the people. The stakes are high, and he urges them to choose life. This is a theme running throughout this book. The people, as they're on the edge of this fruitful land that is described in terms of Eden, it is like a lush garden, and they're standing on the brink, and they can They can see the goodness and abundance of the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, but they are not home yet. They're living in this place of tension between the already but not yet. In terms of the already, their bondage in Egypt is in the past. It's it's over. They've already been redeemed by the mighty hand of God. They've been led out of bondage and slavery by the Lord. They are not slaves to, to Pharaoh and the idols represented by Pharaoh in the land of Egypt anymore. It's in the past. But in terms of the not yet, they they are not yet settled in the land. The land that the Lord is giving to them according to promise. But they, they, they haven't gone in yet to receive the inheritance promised to them. And so there's this tension found throughout the book. And I think if you fail to appreciate the tension, you'll fail to understand the message of the book of Deuteronomy. God's people are living in between. They've been redeemed, but they are not home yet. And they face a great moment of decision. And so do you. So do I. Think about it. We find ourselves in the very same position. God God has called us to be His people, he he has redeemed us, but we are not home yet, are we? We haven't received our 
inheritance. We are living in this in-between. We are, if you like, standing on the plains of Moab. But what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for Christians living today? It means we have been redeemed out of bondage to sin and death and Satan by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. We have an inheritance promised to us. Remember when we worked through 1 Peter before this series, Peter talks about an inheritance in heaven being kept for you that is, that is unfading, unperish, imperishable. Um, it's being kept, but it, we haven't received it yet, have we? We have yet to receive the fullness of our, our, our salvation. We do not yet possess and enjoy our promised inheritance in Christ. On the one hand, we are not what we used to be. But on the other hand, we certainly are not yet what we shall be either. We are close. And perhaps even now, we get a taste of the powers of the age to come. We can, we can see at times we catch a glimpse of Canaan's fair and happy land. And like Israel, we look into the, the promised land and there are times when, when we can almost taste it. But we're not home yet. And so we experience this same tension of living in between and we face the very same choice. Will we choose to listen to God and live or disobey his voice and go our own way? This is the decision that was set before the people of Israel. It's the same decision that is set before us. You, you cannot avoid it. Listen and live or do what you think is best and seek your own security and satisfaction. Now friends, the good news as we, we start this series in Deuteronomy is, is to be reminded that we, we're not alone as we face this great decision. One of the wonderful things the New Testament tells us about is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, setting it alongside of Israel. You remember that Jesus crossed the river Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness as the true representative of God's people. And he faced a great moment of decision himself. He was tempted by the evil one. And at this critical moment, when everything hung in the balance for our salvation, when he was offered a path that appeared to be so much easier, Jesus not only relied on God's word, he relied specifically on the book of Deuteronomy. In other words, he relied not only on the word of God in general, he relied on the book of Deuteronomy in particular. In the midst of Satan's unrelenting temptations, Jesus turned no less than three times to the book of Deuteronomy and said, it is written it is written, it is written. And that teaches us at least two important lessons, two things. First of all, 
So we're going we're gonna to unpack this as we move on in the book of Deuteronomy, but let's appreciate it up front that Jesus is the true Israel. He is God's faithful son. He will do everything that Adam failed to do in the garden and everything Israel failed to do. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, a place of testing. And so we can say, where Adam failed in the garden to listen and live and chose death instead, where Israel failed in the wilderness, Jesus will eat and digest and live by these words. Where Adam and Israel failed, Jesus proved to be God's true faithful son as the representative of all Israel. But the second lesson Jesus' reliance on Deuteronomy teaches us that's more relevant as we get started to in this study in the book of Deuteronomy is really how much we need this book, how much the Christian church and how much Christians today need the book of Deuteronomy. There's a lot of reasons we could give for that, but just, just think about Jesus himself for a moment. When he was tempted, he relied on this book. Think about that. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. And yet the word of God in the flesh during the time of his earthly ministry relied on the written word and specifically he relied on this book. That's where Jesus turned. It's one of the reasons I'm so excited about looking at Deuteronomy together. Jesus loved Deuteronomy and so should we. Jesus relied on Deuteronomy. And and so should we. Jesus ate this book like bread. And so should we. Jesus saw his own face staring back at him in the book of Deuteronomy. And so should we. Jesus was very clear about this. He, He said in John 5, 46, If you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. So if you ever need a reminder or a refresher on what, what are we after here in the book of Deuteronomy? What is Deuteronomy about? You know, go, go to John 5, 46. And remember, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For Moses wrote about me. That's a summary of, of, of what Deuteronomy, what Moses wrote about. He, he wrote about Jesus, God's first and final word. And based on how much Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, I think it's safe to say that this book was among his favorite books of Scripture. And look, if that's not enough to whet your appetite, if that's not enough to get you excited about this study, I, I, I can't help you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm serious. When was the last time that we really we sat down with pencil in hand and studied Deuteronomy? And we really wrestled with it. And and as I've been saying, when when was the last time we we tried to eat this book like bread in order to digest it until it became a part of us? Think about it this way. You know, if you had had a, a mentor, a spiritual mentor, somebody you really looked up to, um, somebody you respected, somebody you know was is very wise, and they love you. And you found out 
that that person had a favorite book. A book that they would often turn to. A book that taught them. A book that they ate as their daily bread. A book that they turned to in a time of crisis and testing. If you found out that there was one book in particular that meant so very much to them, wouldn't you want to read it? That's the book of Deuteronomy. It's hard to imagine a book that is of greater relevance and applicability to the lives of the people of God. When Jesus was asked to identify the greatest commandment, he turned to the book of Deuteronomy, the whole kit and caboodle. So let's turn to this book. And there are three themes that I want us to pick up today from these opening eight verses. Uh, Let me give them to you now. First, listen and live. Second, don't turn away from the living God. And three, see what God has set before you. So first of all, listen and live. Some of you will be familiar with this line from one of the Puritans who said about preaching I preached as never sure to preach again as a dying man to dying men and women. That's Moses right here. This is exactly what he's doing in Deuteronomy. He is preaching literally as a dying man to dying men and women. And and that sense of urgency runs throughout this book because the the whole book ends with Moses' death. It's, It's charged by that reality. And the opening words of this book clue us in on how we are to to hear and read the book of Deuteronomy. According to verse 1, Deuteronomy contains the speeches of Moses. Notice it doesn't say, these are the words that Moses wrote. It says, these are the words that Moses spoke. Later, we'll read about him writing these words down, but primarily the book of Deuteronomy is, if you like, a book of sermons. Words that Moses proclaimed to the people of God, and this is his final message to them. So we need to keep this in mind. Tuck this away in your pocket, especially when we get to the heart of this book. In the middle of Deuteronomy, we have this lengthy section of laws pertaining to the the lives of God's people. Laws given to order the lives of the redeemed people of God in the land. And we need to understand that this book isn't just a long list of rules. It It is preached law. It is Moses, the written record of of Moses' words passionately proclaimed because God intends to write these words on our hearts. And he does it through the preaching of his word. And notice as well, according to verse 5, Deuteronomy is not just listing off law. Now, Moses took time to explain God's law. You see that? Moses not only spoke, he undertook to explain God's law. Now, in this context, it, it means Moses took the law that Israel received 
You know, 40 years before at Mount Sinai or Horeb, as it's talked about in Deuteronomy, that's Deuteronomy's way of talking about Mount Sinai. So Moses undertook to explain how God's law applied to Israel, this law that had been received 40 years ago, but now they are entering into an entirely new situation. And whenever the people of God enter a new situation, they need to have the word of God, the law of God applied to that context, applied to that new situation. Every generation needs it. And this is what Moses is seeking to do. This is an act of covenant renewal and preaching at its very best. It's it's what we seek to do with God's help every Sunday morning when we open up the, the word together. We undertake to explain and understand what God's word means for us today. And so Deuteronomy, it's it's full of direct address. And that really is how we are supposed to hear it, speaking directly to us. The word today appears something like 168 times to to communicate this sense of urgency. Moses is pleading with people to listen, to listen and live. And this is ultimately what God wants us to hear. In Moses' final address, at the, towards the end of the book, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it's at the very climax of Moses' final address, his last sermon. Moses not only urges the people to choose life in verse 19, he tells them where that life is found. He says, therefore, choose life, verse 20, for He is your life. The Lord himself is your life. So when you choose life, what are you choosing according to Deuteronomy 30 verse 20? Are you simply choosing a bunch of laws? No. Moses calls God's people to choose the Lord. To to choose to cling and hold fast to the Lord who is life himself. You see how personal this is. Don't, Don't miss it because the entire book leads you here. To choose life is to choose to cling to the Lord. To the person of Jesus Christ himself. He is your Life. That is the message of the book of Deuteronomy. That he is your life. So cling to him. Listen to him. Listen to him and live. I, as I was thinking about this theme, I couldn't help but think of the gospel account of the transfiguration of Jesus. And you remember what, what happened on the mount. Jesus is transfigured. Uh, before Peter, James, and John, and they catch, they catch just a glimpse of the glory of the Son of God. No, oh, by the way, you remember who's there? <laughs> Among others, Moses is there talking with Jesus. Now, that's amazing when you think about the fact that we're studying a book right now that has as part of its conclusion 
Moses dying and being buried in the ground by God himself outside the promised land. And now here he is talking with Jesus. He he made it, we could say. He illustrates the very lesson of this book. To choose the Lord is to choose life. And here is Moses standing with the word of life, conversing with him. But that's an aside. The reason I bring up the transfiguration, you remember Jesus' glory is on display and, and the Father says from heaven, this is my beloved Son. Look at him. No, that's not what he says. And, and perhaps the most visually stunning moment in the ministry of Jesus, the Father says, this is my beloved Son. Listen. To him. Listen and live. It would be so easy to miss this main point. We could get preoccupied with a bunch of other things, good things in this book, while missing the best thing. He is your life. God's beloved son was cursed and died on a tree so that you could be blessed and live in him. That's the message of Deuteronomy. Listen and live. Choose life for he is your life. And that brings us right to the second theme which is closely connected to it. The first. The second lesson is a warning. Don't turn away from the living God. Moses speaks this sobering warning to the second generation on the the border of the land And the warning comes in verses 2 and 3, describing the result of Israel, the first generation's unbelief and disobedience. Take a look. It is 11 days journey from Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, remember, by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year... On the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. Did you catch that? An 11-day journey, 40 years later, Moses is saying to the second generation. It would be easy to miss the point if we don't know the story. The previous generation had already come to the border of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea. It's a story that's recorded for us in Numbers chapter 14. Moses will rehearse it here in Deuteronomy 1 beginning in verse 19. God had delivered Israel from slavery and tyranny and oppression and bondage and idolatry with many mighty signs and wonders for their redemption He had defeated the greatest superpower of the world at that time. And he did it for a nation of slaves. He led them out. They were baptized in the Red Sea. They they ate bread from heaven. They drank from the rock. God was, was keeping his covenant promises to give his people a place to dwell, a place of Rest and abundance and peace and 
Joy for the people of God, where God would dwell in their midst. But when the time came for the first generation to enter into the land that God was giving to them, it was too much for them. It was too hard of a thing. They were fearful at the report of the spies about the inhabitants of the land, and so they refused to enter in. They didn't listen. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us that their disobedience to, to go in and take what God was giving to them exposed their unbelieving hearts. They did not trust the Lord, and so they refused to obey the word of the Lord. They, they rebelled and they went their own way. And the result of it was that an 11 day journey turned into a lifelong death march in the wilderness. That's the warning of these verses to remind the second generation that an 11 day journey to the promised land turned into a lifelong wandering in the wilderness until an entire generation was dead on the desert floor. Have you ever missed a, an exit on the turnpike? I have. A few years ago, we were coming back from Eastern PA from a wedding, and it was already late. I was so mad. <laughs> you get into that cruise mode, and you're tired, and I, went, I just blew past our exit. It added another hour to our trip. Yeah, there's no way to turn around. There's no, there's no way to get back on the right direction. But, but imagine, imagine missing an exit and there's no way for you to get back on track. Now you're stuck and you just got to keep going and there's no rest and people are dying in the car. But for real. Your mom... Your dad, they, they saw the mighty signs in Egypt. They, they got to walk through the Red Sea. They ate manna from heaven, but they did not enter into God's promised rest. They died on the desert floor. It's a sobering warning. Be, beware, beware an unbelieving heart. A heart that turns away from life itself. That's what these verses are talking about. An entire generation dead in the wilderness because of unbelief. And so Moses is now speaking to a new generation. A generation that had grown up in the wilderness because their parents had been too fearful and hard-hearted to go in and take possession of what the Lord was giving to them as a gift. Moses, see, he begins with this warning, essentially saying, don't, don't make the same mistake. Beware hard, unbelieving heart that turns away from life itself and leads you to perish in the wilderness. Friends, that's what sin does. 
What a, what a graphic illustration this is. This is what sin does. Sin turns an 11-day journey into a lifelong, aimless death march. When, when life with God in a land of goodness and peace and rest is, is held out to us as a free gift, and God says, go, go, take hold of life, enter in and receive what I am giving to you. And, and we say from, from our hearts, you drive a hard bargain, God. It's too much. You ask, you ask too much of us, God. And, and so we turn to our own way and we seek our own satisfaction, and it leaves us wandering around aimlessly until we are dead. Sin, what does it do? Sin wastes life until it's gone. That's why the second generation had grown up in the wilderness instead of a land flowing with milk and honey, so Moses is saying, don't, don't waste your life or the life of your children in the wilderness. Don't, let's take it a step further. Don't let a brief life of sin turn into eternal judgment. All of us face the temptation to, to close our ears to to what God is saying, to, to harden our heart, to turn away from the living God and return to former ways, futile ways, before futile ways of our forefathers, the ways of those uh, before God called us. We too can be tempted, like the Israelites, to long for Egypt and its pleasures and grumble against the word of God finding it too hard. One of the things we learn from this first generation, it might be cliche, but it's truth. It's, it's true, isn't it? That it's easier to get people out of Egypt than it is to get Egypt out of people. And truth be told, we're the same way. Even some of us who have been blessed to grow up in Christian families are tempted to think and believe that the world offers us something better, something more satisfying, something more substantive. And so we turn away from life itself. What happened to the first generation, the New Testament tells us, Paul tells us, happened for our instruction you hear that? Okay, what is, it, what is it meant to teach us? Well, one of the things it teaches us is the utter folly of unbelief and turning away from the God of life, the God, who, the God who is life itself, who gives himself freely to us to be our life, the God who promises us peace and rest in a land that is flowing with good things. And the unbelieving heart opts to perish on the desert floor. It's foolishness. Beware an unbelieving heart. It does not lead to real joy and lasting pleasures. It leads to emptiness. It leads to wandering around aimlessly, for the entirety of your life until you're dead on the ground. That's the lesson it teaches us. 
And friends, it's a warning we need to take seriously. God God warns us in the scriptures because he loves us. If you're a parent, I think you get that. Right? You, You understand that as your children are growing up, you can't make decisions for them. So what you do in love is you you warn them away from those things which you know are bad for them. Things that will bring harm to them. Things that will bring ruin. This is what God is doing with Israel, his son. A loving heavenly father warning Israel, his son, away from choosing death. He's saying, don't, don't turn away. Don't, don't harden your heart. Don't go your own way. Don't be deceived and make that terrible mistake. Don't waste your life in the wilderness where you'll die when God holds out to you the promise of everlasting life and joy in his presence. That brings us to the third theme that we need to cover quickly here in verses 1 through 8. We've seen... Listen and live. Don't turn away from the living God. And thirdly, see what God has set before you. See what God has set before you. There's a lot I wanted to say that I'm going to skip over here and just go straight to verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. Let's just move to ourselves for a second here and ask the question, do do you see it? Do, Do you see what God has set before you in Jesus Christ? Can you see the land of of pure delight? Can you you see the rest and joy and peace that's there for you, freely given in the gospel? God is saying the very same thing to us today, brothers and sisters. See what I have set before you. Go! Go! Strive to enter into that rest. Now notice that this land uh, is a free gift that calls Israel to faithful action. Do you see that? The land is a free gift that calls God's people to faithful action. It's a land that the Lord is giving to them, and they must go and claim what is promised to them. Now both sides of that are absolutely crucial for us to understand the nature of the Christian life. Verse 8, it speaks of a free gift that calls Israel to faithful action. That is the Christian life, dear friends. A free gift that calls God's people to faithful action. The book of Hebrews is so helpful along these lines. And the book of Hebrews in chapters 3 and 4 is reflecting on this very situation of God's people on the border of the land that the Lord was giving to them. And Hebrews says to us, to Christians living today, 
Therefore, while the promise of entering rest still stands, let us strive to enter that rest. Do you you hear both sides there? The, the, The promise calling us to action. And we need to understand as we look at the book of Deuteronomy and and study it, that the promised land for the old covenant people of God was a sign. It was a symbol. It It was a picture of the rest held out to God's people. Rest from oppression. Rest from tyranny. Rest from slavery. Rest from enemies in a land of peace and joy and abundance. The promised land was to be a picture of what God has in store for all of his people through Jesus Christ. So one of the, one of the things we need to appreciate here is this dynamic of the promise calling God's people today to faithful action. We must strive to enter into the rest God promises us by clinging to the word of life and following him all of our days. Please note the personalism of that language. I am not saying follow a bunch of words. I am saying cling to Jesus and follow him. That is the call of the book of Deuteronomy. You know, one of the dangers we face in the Christian life, I think, is being deceived in one of two ways. The first way people are deceived is to to really fail to see and appreciate that everything that we have is a free gift. Who sets it before you? God. God sets it before you. God brought them out. God defended them. God preserved them. God provided them for them. God brought them to this blessing. He set the land before them. Nothing we have, least of all our salvation, is earned by our efforts. But friends, that does not mean that our effort does not matter in the believing life. I think we can so easily slip, in, slip from an appreciation of God's free gift to presuming, well, I don't, I don't need to strive. I don't need to be killing sin. And so sin is killing you. But the other way we can be deceived is to fail to, 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 fail to see that God's free gifts are intended to motivate and to empower faithful action. We we always say it this way, don't we? That we are saved by grace alone through faith alone, but that the the grace that saves is never alone. It, It always results in a life of obedience. And so Deuteronomy is saying to us, see what God has set before you. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and take up your cross and follow him. He not only saves you from the penalty of sin, he saves you for a purpose, which is nothing less than life itself. So take hold of life. Let's hear the message of Deuteronomy. Take hold of life, that which is truly life. Let's listen and live and seeing what the Lord has set before us as a free gift. Let us strive to enter into his rest. And please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the book of Deuteronomy. And as we get started seeing what you have set before us in Christ, we pray that you would strengthen and empower us to to trust him, And to faithfully live by his words. And we ask all of these things in his holy name. Amen.